Essentials of Iman, 2. This noble person asked again, O oh, Rasulallah, tell me what Iman is. Having asked what was Islam, and the answer having been given, Hazrat Jibrail alayhi salam asked our master, Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wasallam, to explain the reality and composition of Iman. Lexically, Iman means knowing a person to be perfectly truthful and having faith in him. In Islam, Iman means believing that Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wasallam is the Prophet sent by Allah ta'ala, knowing to be the truth and saying with belief that he is the Nabi, the messenger chosen by Allah ta'ala, believing in brief what he conveyed briefly and in detail what he conveyed in detail from Allah ta'ala, and saying the kalimat al-shahada with the mouth whenever possible. Strong iman is such that, as we know for certain that fire burns and serpents kill by poisoning, and so try to avoid them, we should believe in Allah Ta'ala and His attributes, deeming them great, fully at heart, strive for His approval, Rada, run to His beauty, Jamal, escape from His wrath, Gadab, and torment, Adhab, and place Iman on the heart firmly like an inscription on marble. Iman and Islam, conveyed by Muhammad salam, are the same. Belief in the meaning of the Kalimat al-Shahada is present in both of them. Although they differ in general and in particulars and have different lexical meanings, there is no difference between them in Islam. Is Iman one thing or is it a combination of parts? If it is a combination, how many parts is it made of? Are Amal, practices, deeds, or Ibadat, acts of ritual worships, included in Iman or not? While saying, I have Iman, is it right to add, Insha'Allah Ta'ala, if Allah Ta'ala wills? or not? Is there littleness or muchness in Iman? Is Iman a creature? Is it within one's power to believe? Or have the believers believed under the compulsion? If there is force or compulsion in believing, why was everybody commanded to believe? It would take a long time to explain all these one by one. Therefore, I will not answer them separately here. But it should be known that, according to the Ash'ari, one of two true Itikad schools of thought of Sunni Islamic law, found by Imam Abu al-Hasan al-Ash'ari, Quddis al-Sirru, followed by Shafi and Maliki madhabs, and the Mu'tazila, a deviated school of thought, one of the 72 sects of Bid'at. It is not probable, jais, for Allah Ta'ala to command us to do something that is not possible. According to the Mu'tazila, it is not probable for Allah Ta'ala to command something possible, but which is not within man's power. According to the Ash'ari, however, it is probable, yet Allah Ta'ala has not commanded it. To command people to fly in the air is of this sort. Neither in Iman nor in rituals did Allah Ta'ala command human creatures to do what they would not be able to do. For this reason, a person who, while a Muslim, goes mad or becomes ghafil, forgetful of Allah Ta'ala, unconscious, or sleeps or dies, is still a Muslim, though not in a state of confirmation. We should not think of the lexical meaning of Iman in this Hadith Sharif since even those who were ignorant in Arabia knew its lexical meaning, confirmation, belief. Certainly, the Sahabat al-Kiram knew it, and Jibrail salam, wanted to teach the meaning of Iman to them by asking Rasulullah what Iman meant in Islam. Iman means to believe with heart and soul and to say with the mouth, the six certain tenets by affirming through kashf, 
unveiling of the unknown, or wijdan, conscience, by understanding of the intellect out of an evidence, or by depending on and adapting a distinguished and approved statement. Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wasallam said that Iman was to believe in six certain facts. The first is to believe that Allah ta'ala is the wajib al-wujud, indispensable being, and the real deity, mabud, and the creator of all creatures. It should be believed absolutely that He alone creates everything, every substance, atoms, elements, molecules, compounds, organic substances, cells, life, death, every event, every reaction, all kinds of power and sorts of energy, movements, laws, spirits, angels, and every being living or lifeless out of nothing, and He makes them all survive, in both this world and the next without material, time or similarity, out of non-existence. As He created all creatures in the universe, in one moment while they had been non-existent, He creates some of them from one another, and when the day of judgment comes, in one moment, will annihilate everything. He is the creator, owner, absolute ruler of all creatures. It has to be believed and acknowledged that there is nobody to dominate, command, or to be superior to. Allahu Ta'ala. Every type of superiority, every attribute of perfection belongs only to Him. No defect, no deficient attributes exists in Him. He is able to do what he wills. What he does is not intended to be useful to himself or to others. He does not do something for a reward. In everything he does, however, there are hidden causes, hikmah, uses, blessings, and favors. Allah Ta'ala does not have to do what is good and useful for his creatures, nor does he have to reward some people or punish some others. It would be befit Allah Ta'ala's superiority and benevolence if he would bring all the sinners to paradise, it would become his justice if he would put all of those who obey and worship him into hell. Yet he decreed and declared that he would put Muslims, those who worship him, into paradise and grant them favors, and that he would eternally torture disbelievers in hell. He does not go back on his word. It would be of no use for him if all the living creatures believed and worshipped him. Nor would it give him any harm if all creatures became disbelievers, became excessive or disobeyed him. If man wishes to do something, Allah Ta'ala creates it if he too wills it to be so. He alone is the one who creates every action of his human creatures and all things. If he does not will or create, nothing can move. If he does not wish, no one can become a disbeliever or an apostate. He lets disbelief and sins happen, yet he does not like them. No one can interfere with his works. No one has the strength or right to ask the reason why he has done this or that, or to comment on how he must do anything. Accepting shirk, deification or worship of anyone or anything besides Allah Ta'ala, or disbelief that has been committed, he will forgive, if he wills, a person who dies without repenting for any great sin committed. Allah Ta'ala will punish them, if He wills, for a lesser sin. He declared that He would never forgive but torture eternally those who die as disbelievers and apostates. Though He will torture in hell those who are Muslims, that is, Ahl al-Qibla, who performs acts of worship and turn towards the Kaaba during ritual prayers, yet whose itikad, iman, beliefs, is not compatible with the beliefs of Ahl sunnah and who die without repenting, such Muslims, the people of Bid'at, will not remain in hell eternally. It is possible to see Allah Ta'ala with the eyes in this world. 
but he has never been seen. At the place of gathering, Mahshar, on the day of judgment, he will be seen by disbelievers and sinful Muslims in his wrath and fury, and by pious Muslims in his kindness and beauty. In paradise, the believers will see his beauty. Angels and women, too, will see him. Unbelievers will be deprived of this. There is a sound report conveying that genies also will be deprived of this. According to the majority of ulama, Muslims whom Allah Ta'ala loves will be honored with the manifestation of his beauty, tajalli al-jamal, and seeing ruyat, him every morning and every evening. Muslims of low degree will be honored every Friday, and women a few times in a year, such as times of festivals in this world. It should be believed that Allah Ta'ala will be seen, yet we should not think of how he will be seen, since his works cannot be comprehended through intellect. They do not resemble worldly matters. They cannot be evaluated with physical or chemical data. Such concepts as aspect or being across have no connection with him. He is not material, he is not an object, nor is he an element, an alloy, or a compound. He is not countable, measurable, or computable. No change happens in him. He is not located at a place. He is not with time. He does not have a past or a future, front or back, bottom or top, right or left. Therefore, human reasoning, knowledge or intellect cannot comprehend anything of Allah Ta'ala. So, man cannot comprehend how he will be seen. Although such words as hand, foot, direction, place, and the like, which are not suitable for Allah Ta'ala, exist in ayats and hadiths, they are not used in the sense that we know and use today. Such ayats and hadith are called mutashabihat, those with incomprehensible, hidden meaning. We have to believe them, but we should not attempt to understand what or how they are. Or they can be explained away, tawil, briefly or in detail, that is, they can be given meanings suitable for Allah Ta'ala. For example, the word hand may be interpreted as power or energy. Muhammad saw Allah Ta'ala during the Miraj, but this seeing was not with the eyes like seeing in this world. A person who says that he has seen him in this world is a zindiq. The seeing experienced by the awliya, qaddas Allah Ta'ala asrarahum ajma'in, meaning may Allah Ta'ala make all their mystiques decent, sacred, and blessed, was unlike seeing in this world or seeing in the next world. In other words, it was not ruyat, seeing, but shuhud, seeing the examples of mithals through the eyes of their hearts that they experienced. Some great awliya said that they had seen him, yet they mistook the shuhud they experienced while they were unconscious, sekr, for ruyat. Or this is one of their words that are to be understood by explaining away. Question. It is said above that it is possible, jais, to see Allah Ta'ala with the eyes in this world. Then why should a person who says something which is possible to happen be a zindiq? If a person who says so becomes a disbeliever, can it be said to be possible? Answer. The lexical meaning of jayiz is possible to happen or not. However, according to the madhab of al-Ash'ari, Abu al-Hasan Ali ibn Ismail passed away in Baghdad in 1941-330. The possibility of ruyat means that Allah Ta'ala is capable of creating in men quite a different sense for seeing in this world, different from seeing closely or face to face with him, and different from seeing through the physical laws he created in this world. For example, 
He is able, so it is possible, to show a mosquito in Andalusia, southern Spain, to a blind man in China, and anything on the moon or on any star to a man on the earth. Such power is peculiar to him only. Secondly, saying, I saw Allah Ta'ala in this world is incompatible with the Ayat al-Karima, verses of Quran al-Karim, and with the consensus of the ulama, Muslim scholars who are recognized as having specialized knowledge of Islamic sacred law and theology. Therefore, one who makes such a statement is a mulhid or a zundik. Footnote. Mulhids or zundiks say they are a Muslim. Mulhids are sincere in their words. They believe that they are a Muslim and on the right path. However, zundiks are enemies of Islam that make themselves appear to be a Muslim in order to harm Islam from within and to deceive Muslims. As the third answer, the statement, it is possible to see Allah Ta'ala in this world, does not mean it is possible to see him on the earth within the physical laws. However, a person who says he saw him means that he saw him as he sees other things. This is a seeing which is not possible. A person who makes such statements that cause disbelief is called a mulhid or a zandik. After these answers, Hazrat Maulana Khalid wrote, Be careful. Thus he directed attention to the second answer that was more sound. Elapse of time, day or night, cannot be related to Allah Ta'ala. Since there can be no change in him in any respect, it cannot be said that he was in this manner in the past or he will be like that in the future. He does not penetrate hulul into anything. Footnote. Those Shiites who belong to the group called Nusayri believe that Allah Ta'ala has penetrated Hadrat Ali. This wrong belief causes them to become unbelievers. He does not unite with anything. He never has an opposite, the like, partner, assistant, or protector. He does not have a father, mother, son, daughter, or spouse. He is always present with everybody, surrounds and oversees everything. To everyone, he is closer than their main artery. However, his presence, togetherness, closeness, or surrounding us is not like what we understand. His closeness cannot be comprehended with the knowledge of scholars, with the intellect of scientists, or with the kashf or shuhud of awliya. Qaddasallahu ta'ala asrarahum ajma'een. Human reason cannot understand their inner meanings. Allah Ta'ala is unique in thought, self-personality, and sifat, attributes. No change or differentiation takes place in any of them. Allah Ta'ala's names are tawkifi, which means that only those names of His as shown by Islam is permissible to be used, and it is not permissible to use other words. Footnote For instance, Allah Ta'ala may be called Alim, the Omniscient, but we cannot use Faqih, which also means Alim, scholar, one trained in Islamic sciences, for Islam does not use Faqih for him. Likewise, it is not permissible to say God instead of Allah Ta'ala, because God means idol or deity. Ox is the god of Hindus, is said for instance. It is permissible to say Allah Ta'ala is one, there is no God but Allah Ta'ala. Words like Dieu, French, Gott, German, and God can be used for idol or deity, but not for Allah Ta'ala. His names are infinite. It is well known that he has a thousand and one names. That is, 
he revealed a thousand and one of them to humanity in the religion of Muhammad salam. Ninety-nine of them, called Al-Asma' Al-Husna, were revealed. Allah Ta'ala's Sifat Al-Dhatiyah, personal attributes, are six. Allah Ta'ala's Sifat Al-Thubutiyah, Allah Ta'ala's eight attributes of perfection, attributes of Uluhiyah, divinity, are eight according to the Maturidiyah, one of the two Itikad schools, Sunni Islam, founded by Imam Abu Mansur Al-Maturidi Quddisasirruh, followed by Hanafi and Hanbali school of Islamic law, and seven in the Ash'ari. These latter attributes of Allah Ta'ala are eternal and everlasting like his dot. That is, they too exist eternally. They are sacred. They are not like the attributes of creatures. They cannot be comprehended through reasoning or assumption or by comparing them with beings in the world. He has endowed upon human beings an example of each of these attributes. Seeing these examples, his attributes can be understood to some extent. Since man cannot comprehend him, it is not permissible to think of or to attempt to comprehend him. The eight attributes of his are neither the same as nor other than his dot. That is, his attributes do not make up his dot, nor are they other than himself. These eight attributes are high, ever-living, ilm, omniscience, sam, hearing, basar, seeing, kudra, omnipotence, kalam, speech, word, irada, will, and tekwin, creativeness. In the Ashari Madhab, Tekwin and Kudra make up the same attribute. Mashiya, divine will, and irada are synonymous. Each of the eight attributes of Allah Ta'ala is uniform and is in a unique phase. No change occurs in any of them, yet each of them is various in respect of its relation to creatures. That an attribute of His is multiple in its relation to or affecting the creatures does not harm its uniformity. Similarly, even though he has created so many kinds of creatures and is protecting all of them against annihilation every moment, he is still one. No change ever occurs in him. Every creature needs him every moment in every respect. He does not need anybody.